Well, I am so thankful to have all of you with us today at all of our live churches, our network churches. We love partnering with you and those of you on the other side of computer screens and TV sets all over the world at Church Online. You're part of our extended family and we are very thankful for all of you. Today, we're starting a new three-part message series called Fear Not. And what we're going to do is look at three different times when angels appeared to people during the Christmas story. And you're going to notice the very first things these angelic beings will say will always be, help me out, they're always going to say, fear not. Today, I want to look at a story when an angel appears to a teenage virgin girl named Mary Next week, we're going to see a counterpart to this story when an angel appears to Joseph, and we're going to look at the fear of dealing with what other people think about us next week. Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of what God has planned for us, because I believe there are a lot of people that sometimes will treat God like they'll treat the annoying person that always wants something from them. I don't know if you have anybody like this in, in your life, but sometimes there are those people, whenever they call you, you know they're going to want something, so you just let it go straight through to voicemail. Or maybe you may see them out in public, and you're like, oh, there's old so-and-so. Don't point at them right now, but you know what I'm talking about. There's old so-and-so, and if you're in the grocery store, you let your cart kind of go this way, and you're like, oh, let's pretend like we don't see them. Sometimes I think even unknowingly, many of us can treat God that way. In other words, we want to be close enough to God to get the good stuff, right? You know, I want the promise of heaven, and I want his blessings, but I don't want to be so surrendered to God that he has total access to every area of my life, because if I completely surrendered everything to him, I mean, he might make me go to Africa, he might make me give up something I enjoy, he might make me marry somebody ugly, is that too far? Is that across the line? I, I, I don't know if you've ever thought that. I'm, I'm talking to the real people today, okay? The rest of you, like not real, holier-than-thou people, just sit there, polish your halo. We're going to deal with real stuff, all right? Because sometimes there's this sense of fear of, what if I give it all to him and then life doesn't go the way I want it to go? And fear can overwhelm and overtake us. Uh, for example, a lot of people would say, well, fear is the absence of faith. Fear is the absence of faith. I would argue that fear is actually faith. It's just faith in the wrong things. You, you could say fear is placing your faith in the what ifs. You know, what if the economy falls apart? What if I lose my job? Uh, what if someone I love gets cancer? What if I never ever get married? Hey, what if I marry a jerk? You know, what if I marry a jerk and they have kids that look like the jerk and it's an eternal reminder I married a jerk, you know, and, and the fears just kind of go on and on. What if, what if, what if? Fear is placing our faith in the worst case scenario. And I can be very easily overtaken by fear. It's in, in an irrational way. I don't know if any of you are like this or not, but um, Amy, my wife, I love her so much and she's so good at almost everything. One kind of bad thing is, she is late, like, often. I, I say that she has the spiritual gift of being late. I mean, it's almost down to an art form, you know. It's, it's, and so a lot of times I'll be waiting on her, and, you know, I'm looking at my watch, like, okay, she's, she's 10 minutes late, now it's 12 minutes late. And I, I can slip into fear, like, well, maybe something's happened to her. You know, she, oh, my gosh, 
She's probably been in a car wreck, and I'm thinking, oh, my wife is dead. Uh, uh, you know, uh, my life is over, and I start panicking, thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to have to do the funeral. That sucks, you know, and she, you know, how, and, and, I, I, and I go down this road, like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to quit the ministry, because I couldn't do this without her, and, you know, we homeschool our six kids, I'm going to have to homeschool them. Man, I'm going to have six stupid kids, you know, and it's like, <laughs> You know, I'm not going to have a job. No one's going to marry a guy with six kids. And so I'm envisioning myself as an 80-year-old bachelor with dumb kids, you know. And like all over, she's 10 or 12 minutes late. And fear just drives us to a point of irrational panic. The good news is, though, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us what? All of our churches, let's say this aloud. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Say it. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of what God might be asking us to do, and we're going to look at when an angel appears to a teenage girl named Mary. Why is it that we are often afraid of God's plans? There could be a lot of answers to that question, but I want to give you two based on this story. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. God's interruptions are often inconvenient, aren't they? When God interrupts us, his interruptions are often very inconvenient. In fact, you're going to see this in the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1. Uh, let's start. We'll read verses 26 through 29, and then we'll move on from there. Here's how the story starts. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, who, who is Elizabeth and why is she pregnant? Elizabeth is Mary's um, relative who was too old to give birth and an angel appeared to her and now she is miraculously pregnant with um, the man who will be known as John the Baptist. Now an angel comes to Mary and the Bible says God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now let's talk about this. An angel appears. I think sometimes in our world today when people think of angels, they don't think of angels the way they really are. I, I, I almost imagine people thinking about, you know, fat, bald, naked baby angels playing a harp on a cloud, okay? That's not what these angels look like. These are fierce, warlike creatures that are able to strike down a nation at God's command, and yet submissive enough to God to go and care for and protect an innocent child. And so this angel is one of two that's named in the Bible. There's Gabriel and Michael, the archangel, and we see Gabriel in this story appear to Mary. The story goes on. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel, the angel, appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. In other words, it's a very polite angel, okay? The Lord is with you. Now, is she excited and like, oh, man, I've always wanted to see an angel? No, she is freaking out. Confused and disturbed. Oh, my gosh, what's going on here? Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Now, let's kind of get into the backstory and start thinking about what's going on in her mind and her life. Uh, we don't know for sure how old she is. Chances are she's probably 14, 15, maybe 16 years old. And the reason we know this is because in her culture, once a girl would hit puberty, shortly after that she would be promised or betrothed to be married. 
And so if you can get inside this young girl's mind, she's probably all amped up about what is to come. You know, if it's modern day, what, what's a young bride going to be doing? Well, she's searching on Pinterest, okay, trying to find all the creative ideas to make her wedding day that special, unforgettable moment. She, she's practicing signing her name with her husband's new last name, and she's getting the signature just right for her checks, you know. Or she's naming her future children, you know, like, I like Chloe, and I like, and, and, and you know, she's, she's coming up with these names. And suddenly, this angel interrupts all of her plans, and it is incredibly inconvenient to the way she had her future mapped out. What can we learn from this? A very important principle is that what we call interruptions, God often sees as invitations. Those times that we feel like God is interrupting me, he's often actually inviting us to something higher or something better. Think about it throughout scripture. What did God do with Moses? He interrupted a regular day with a burning bush and invited Moses to become the deliverer of God's people. With Jonah, God interrupted Jonah's workout swimming to shore with a great big fish and invited him to go back and do what he was supposed to do, which was preach repentance to the people of Nineveh. In the New Testament, Saul, when he was off killing Christians, God interrupted his flow with a light from heaven and invited Saul to become the author of much of the New Testament and an apostle to anyone who would listen to him about the grace of Jesus Christ. God interrupted plans with an invitation to something better. I believe there are many of us who often shake off God's invitations, calling them interruptions when God really wants to do something new and different in our lives. And I don't know how this will play out for you, but if you'll be sensitive enough to see what we call interruptions as a possible invitation, God might take you somewhere new or somewhere different to do something special that you couldn't have predicted on your own. It could play out in any number of ways. And there are those of you, you've got your own interruption invitation stories. Some of you, you weren't church people. You know, you weren't like religious and someone interrupted your plans and invited you to church and kept begging you to come. You're like, nah, I don't have time. Nah, I'm not interested. And finally, you surrendered. Because that's the way life church people are. They don't take no for an answer. They're coming at you like the waves of the ocean and they don't go away. And so you came to church and you think, God, oh, just endure it and get in and get out. And then something happened. You were touched by a song or someone said something or in the message it was like God was speaking directly to you and your heart started to soften and suddenly you found yourself being drawn to God and one day you cried out and asked for forgiveness and you sensed the supernatural presence of God and something in you was dramatically changed and different and what you thought was an interruption was an invitation to something way, 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 way better and now it continues to happen. Your friend is in the hospital and you're like, you're feeling an urge to go see your friend like, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for this, what is this, I don't have time for this and, and this is an unmistakable urge that won't go away and so you take the interruption and you go and you didn't realize it was an invitation for God to use you to minister to someone and then suddenly you're speaking and it's like there's words coming into your head, you're like, how did I know that and you're ministering to them and you walk like, whoa, I can't believe God just used me in this way and there's 
there's like this spiritual high that, that God used you for something significant. And the next week you come to church and they're like, hey, and there's a need. That, 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 and you think, I could do that, but I don't have time for that. And suddenly it's like you don't even realize you're going out and you're signing up for like, I don't have, why am I doing this? I don't have time for this. And the next thing you know, you're serving in the four-year-old room and you don't even like four-year-olds. And two months later, you're like, the greatest hour of my week is when I get to impart spiritual life to four-year-olds and I long for this and I look forward to this. And what happened? God interrupted you somewhere along the way and invited you to something better and you can get those divine invitations if you won't shake them off as interruptions. An angel of the Lord appears to this girl who has her life planned out and says, I've got something different for you. What does the angel say in verse 30? In the King James Version that says, fear not. The New Living translates it this way, do not be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but if God's got some favor to give out, I want a little bit of that action, right? I want some favor. We're going to find out the favor isn't exactly what she thought it was going to be. I'm thinking if I'm Mary, like, dude, God, give me favor. I just landed a spot on a wedding reality show, and my wedding is paid for, and maybe my honeymoon as well, all right? I mean, you think say yes to the dress is better? You should see the Jerusalem version of weddings or real people, whatever the show is called. And so I'm thinking this is, this is exciting, but what she doesn't realize is that the angel by on behalf of God has something very different for her. Why are we often afraid of God's plans? Number one, because his interruptions are often inconvenient. And number two, because God's purpose is often different than your plans. His purpose for us is often so different than what we had planned out for ourselves. And we see this in verse 31 through 33, the angel reveals God's purpose to this young girl and says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. And he'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God, and here's, the, here's this powerful announcement, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. You're gonna give birth to the Son of God. His name will be Jesus. He will be a savior of the world. And you can only imagine this teenage girl as her emotions swing back and forth as God interrupts her with an invitation that disturbs her plan and reveals God's purpose. Think about it. I mean, there must have been a moment where she's like blown away, stupefied with humility, like, oh my gosh, I've been chosen for this. The mother of of the Son of God, and then boom, her emotions swing. Oh my gosh, what are people gonna say about me? Because to be pregnant out of wedlock, this was a sin that was punishable by death from stoning. Honor, oh my gosh, fear. I've been chosen, oh my gosh, I had to tell Joseph. And you can only imagine how that conversation would go. Hey, Joey, <laughs> are you sitting down? Okay, I'm pregnant. By the Holy Ghost, okay? Like, I mean, you can just, you can imagine how crazy that would be. God's purpose was way, 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 way different than her plans. Just as the heavens 
are higher than the earth's. So God's purposes are higher than our purposes. So his plans are higher than our plans. So his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And I don't know how this will play out in your life, but when God interrupts you with an invitation to something else, you're going to discover that his purposes are way different than your plans. And I don't know how it will happen, but you'll see it again and again and again. It may be that you've dreamed of the, the perfect, healthy family, and then you find out you're getting uh, a child who's going to be born with special needs, and it rocks your world. But why us, and how come not them, and, and what did we do? And you have no idea the blessing that this child is going to be, and it's going to bring you closer to God and well up more love within your heart than you ever even dreamed you have, because his purposes may be different than your plan. You may lose a job one day and be like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. God, you can't be in on this, and where are you? And how am I going to pay the bills? And then suddenly, you have no other options, but you start the business that you've always kind of had in the back of your mind. And years later, you look back and say, wow, what I thought was a curse was actually a blessing. God's purpose was so much different than my plans. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who would be like, I thought I was going to marry this person. They were perfect, and then the relationship went south, and I thought I'll never, ever have a good marriage. I mean, who, who could ever be like this person? And they had no idea that God was preparing another person that was indescribably better suited to serve God together with that person, and they just couldn't see it at the time. God's purposes are so different than our plans. I, I'll explain to you this way. It's a crazy illustration, but I had the, my, the wildest experience this week. I love going to movies, and uh, we always go to the same place for a couple reasons. One is because it's $4.25 at matinee, okay? That doesn't make you feel close to God. I don't know what will. That's, that's cheap, and, and it's not that I can't afford the other places, but when you're taking six kids, every penny counts, okay? The other reason is the chairs actually rock at this place. You, you can just get a little action, go a little rock, 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 rock. And if you position yourself where there's no one in front of you, you can kick your feet up on the little handle, the arm bar in front of two chairs, and you can actually sit back there with foot up and rock like this. It's really, really cool. $4.25, it doesn't get better than that, okay? So it was my birthday. And my assistants um, got me a gift card to go to the movie. And I said, thank you so much. This is at a different theater. You, you guys know where I normally go. I'm just curious, why did you choose this one? They're like, the chairs at this place, they're unbelievable. You're going to love the chairs. I'm like, for 10 bucks, at a, I don't know what the chairs, there's no, chairs couldn't be that good. I had no idea. Okay? <laughs> I went to this place. The chairs were leather and clean and big. I mean, it was like the size of a Honda Accord. It was so big. They had a little cup holder that, God is my witness, they are refrigerated. Refrigerated. Now, mind you, I didn't spend $4 on a drink. But had I, I would have put it in a refrigerated thing. And since I had no drink, I put my hand in there just to see how long I could keep it in there. Seven minutes in, when I started to get pink, I took it out. But it's like, this is really, really cool. It had on it a button. God is my witness. When you push the button on the side of this chair, the same moment your seat starts to go back, there's a thing, the legs that come up. And you are reclining. I looked over to Amos and said, this is so comfortable. I'd pay 10 bucks just to take a nap in this chair. Forget the movies. Next thing you know, we're laying back in this like big old thing. And the only problem was there was an arm bar separating me from my dream girl. I said, babe, if that thing wasn't there, 
it'd be so game on, you have no idea. She smiled, reached over, and lifted it up. <laughs> Glory to God, signs of the end times. I said, send the kid for popcorn. We got to be quick. You know, this is the crazy. I'm going to tell you, all that to be said, I don't know if this makes sense or not. I don't even care. It's so cool. Some of you right now, you got your mind set on a little rocker with your feet kicked up. And God has a recliner with refrigerated drink holders, okay? Sometimes you just have to trust him that he has something better. I don't know who's going to do it, but one young lady is going to go up to her boyfriend and you're going to say, I love you and all, but you're a rocker. And I'm not settling for anything less than a recliner, okay? God... God has plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And he will every now and then move in in what you might call an interruption. But from his perspective, it's an invitation to something that's higher and different because his purposes are always different than your plans. And the angel says this to the young girl, and she responds back in verse 34, but how can this happen? I'm supposed to give birth, and I'm a virgin. How can this happen? In other words, it's totally impossible. It's beyond impossible. It's absurd. It's physically impossible for this to happen. It would be like, like for me. I don't like golf very much. The last time I played golf was 23 years ago, and I played golf with Amy's dad. And the only reason I played golf with Amy's dad is because he liked golf and I liked Amy. If an angel appeared to me and said, Craig, you're going to win the U.S. Open. Like, no, 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 no. That's, a, to quote the Princess Bride movie, that's inconceivable. Okay? It's not going to happen. And that's what Mary's doing right here. I am a virgin and virgins don't give birth to babies. It's totally and completely impossible. And there will be a time, I promise, for all of you who are followers of Christ, that God is going to interrupt you with an invitation to something different. And his purpose is going to be different than your plan. And he's going to ask you to have faith and believe him. But you're going to look at it and say, I don't see how that's possible. I don't see, God, how you're asking me to forgive someone after what they've done to me. It's impossible that I would forgive. God, I don't know how you're asking me to trust you and to, to be generous when I don't have very much right now and to trust you're going to give back to me. I don't know how that's possible. God, I don't believe you could ever heal my marriage. After what happened, there is no way we could have a good marriage again. God, how in the world could you ever reconcile this relationship with one of my children after what they said and after what I did? It's broken and gone forever. God, there's no way you could heal this person I love. I mean, the doctor said, you know, you might as well prepare for the end. It's totally and completely impossible. And that's what we see with Mary when she says, it is impossible, there is no way. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, this isn't a job for people. This is a God-sized job. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. For how much is impossible? Would you say this with me? For nothing is impossible. Everybody say it again. For nothing is impossible, not with yourself, but with 
God. Nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. I don't know who came to church just for this moment, but there's someone here who's facing an obstacle, and you need to know that nothing is impossible with God. That what may be impossible with man is absolutely and completely possible with God. That we serve a God who is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful. One spoken word, and God can intervene in any situation. Our God is that good, and all things are possible with God. She says, I see no way that this couldn't ever happen. And the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe for all of you who are followers of Christ, there's going to come a time when something interrupts you. And you think, ah, I don't like that. You may have your divine antenna up to ask, is this an invitation from God for a purpose that's different than my plans? And God may ask you to believe something that seems unbelievable or to attempt something that seems like you could never accomplish. And the truth is, on your own, you couldn't because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so I want to ask you now, very, very simply, what is God asking you to do or believe? What is it that God is asking you to do or believe? If you're a follower of Christ, I believe with all my heart that our God is a speaking God, and he's involved in your life, and he wants to direct you and shape you and lead you and guide you. What is he asking you to do? Some of you, the answer is like immediate. You, you already know, and you've been resisting. Others of you, it may take a few moments or even a few days of praying, God, what do you have next? What, what are you directing me to do in this season? For some of you, it's going to come to you. I'm supposed to start a ministry that God's put this in my heart and it's what I need to do. For some of you, it's to try to restore a relationship that's gone bad. He's going to direct you that way. Some of you, he's going to ask you to go back to college or to take the step of faith and to, to change majors to something different. Uh, for some of you, it may be to reach out to someone who's far from God. You think, but I've already tried. And there's just no way and they're going to resist. What is God asking you to do or believe? And then when you get ready to respond, never forget this. If God is asking you to take the step of faith, write this down. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Outcome is always and only God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. What's going to happen? How are we going to? Where is it going to come down? Outcome, that's in God's corner. Outcome is his responsibility. All you're called to do is take the step of faith and obey. Tell yourself again and again, outcome is with God. Obedience is mine. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is mine. And I can tell you in, in our marriage and life right now, we're living this in a new and a fresh way like we haven't in many, many years I told you maybe a month or six weeks ago that God had been really burdening Amy for quite some time to start a home to help women transitioning out of human trafficking and other dire um, situations, and this was something she really wanted to do. Well, this isn't a life church project. It, this is a Craig and Amy burden, and so we're going to we're just invest our lives in this. And we didn't know where to start. 
we didn't know how to do this, so we researched and studied and went to classes and, and took step after baby step after baby step after baby step, and then we decided to look for a home, and there was nothing there, and miraculously, craziest story I've heard in a year in our life, some other lady who we'd never, we never told anybody we were doing this, she's remodeling a home on faith, believing that Amy's going to want to use it to minister to women. Bizarre crazy, almost impossible to believe. We never told her, and she felt like God told her, and so she makes this home available. And then two weeks later, we've got women who are living in this home. And then someone from the Northwest Oklahoma City campus has a, says, hey, we want to make our home available. And now we're making preparations to do a second home. And then someone from Tulsa says there's one there. And so we're now recruiting staff and raising this and that and trying to get volunteers to be around. The hour. And what, what's happening? Here, here's the deal. We can't predict the outcome. We could have never imagined that. All we could do is be obedient with the next step. Obedience is ours, outcome is God's. And I don't know how this will play out for you, but there's going to come a time when God is going to call you to trust him. He wants you to start a small group, but when am I going to do it? And, and you know, how, how are we going to pull this off? No, 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 just obey. Obedience is yours, trust him with the outcome. Well, God is calling us to tithe, and I don't know how we're going to do Or God's calling us to give a, a big year-end gift to the church, or, or yeah, I don't understand. No, obedience is yours, outcome is his. But, we, you know, we've got three children, and we thought we were done, and now there's this fostering thing, and if we get another kid, I mean, what, we don't have the transportation, and where are we going to get him, and how is he going to you know, interact with our children? No, obedience is your part, outcome is God's part. And you simply surrender yourself to him just like a teenage virgin girl did 2,000 years ago when in God's goodness and sovereign plan, he interrupted her with an invitation to a higher calling because his purpose was different than her plans. And in her mind, she couldn't conceive how it was possible, but she had to remember that all things are possible with her God. And so the angel puts this opportunity in front of her just as I believe God is going to put opportunities for something greater in front of you. And how did she respond? In verse 38, she responded, and I love this, the very first thing she says is, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, before she says anything else, she reminds herself who she is and whose she is. I belong to the king of kings. He is my Lord, and I am called to serve him. And even though I don't understand and can't figure it all out, and it will certainly cost me, and it's probably going to be harder than I can ever imagine, I belong to him. And because I belong to him, I can trust him with the outcome, and I will be obedient. Then she says one of the greatest faith-filled statements in all of the Bible she says, may everything you have said about me come true. In other words, I have no fear whatsoever about your plans because I am the Lord's servant. I know my God, and his plans are good, and he is just, and he is loving. And if he interrupts me with something that's inconvenient for me, then I want to surrender myself to what he wants because his ways are higher than my ways. His purposes are higher than my plans. His thoughts are greater than I could ever imagine. Therefore, I remember who I am. I am a servant 
of the Most High God. Therefore, may it be done unto me according to your word. May everything you've said about me come true. Because ultimately, outcome is yours, God. Obedience is mine. Father, I pray today that the power of your Holy Spirit would help us to be obedient to do, God, what you would call us to do. As you take a moment today and pray at all of our different churches, uh, I'm going to ask just very simply um, a couple of questions. The first one I want you to think about for a moment, and I'm, I'm going to ask you if you'll commit to praying and obeying. Will you commit to pray and obey? And I don't know what this process will look like to you, but in your life group and in your family and with your close, close friends, I'm just going to challenge you to say, God, what are you leading me to do or to believe? And then as you believe, you get direction from God, I'm going to challenge you just to take the next step. Whatever it is, just take the next step. Trust him with the outcome, and you simply obey. Pray and obey. At all of our different churches, those of you who would say, you know what, I really do, I believe that he'll interrupt me, and his interruptions may be an invitation to something better, I want to trust him with everything. I want to be fully surrendered to him, and I commit, I'm going to pray, and whatever he directs me to do, I'm going to commit to obey. Would you lift your hands right now just all over the place? Just lift up your hands as you're committing to this. I'm so blessed by a church full of people who really want to know his will and to follow it. God, thank you for those who are courageous enough to say, God, I, I don't want my will, my plans, my dreams. I want yours. Just like Mary, God, help us to remember who we are. Surrender to you as, as true servants, not serving our own desires, our own plans, our own goals, but God, wanting to do what you created us to do and to accomplish and to bring glory to your name. God, I pray that there be rich conversations in, in families and amongst friends and in life groups this week that we would talk very openly about what you're guiding us to do. God, if there's nothing, I pray that we would press into you until we hear from you. And God, give us the courage to take the step of faith even when we don't know exactly what you're gonna do. God, thank you that we can trust you with the outcome. And God, we just wanna be obedient to what you're calling us to do. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, um, there are some of you, actually probably quite a few, that if you're really honest, you would have to admit you cannot say with integrity that you are the Lord's servant. You can't say it. You wouldn't say it. It wouldn't be true. He's not first in your life. You know, when we talk about the virgin birth, sometimes people say, what is, why does the virgin birth matter? It matters more than I could possibly describe. The fact that Mary was a virgin means that she did not conceive based on an earthly father with a sin nature, but by a heavenly father with a divine nature. That's why Jesus was born without sin. That's why he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins on the cross. That's why he was raised from the dead and people all over the New Testament were willing to give their lives for him because he was dead and he rose again so that anyone who calls on his name would be saved and forgiven. There are those of you today who you would recognize, I need to surrender to him. But you may think, I need to clean up my life first. I need to you know, get better and, and stop doing bad things. Let me just tell you right now, now you come to him exactly as you are. 
You come to him exactly as you are, and when you turn from your sins and turn toward him, he'll forgive every sin you've ever committed, and he will make you brand new. There are those of you at all of our different churches right now, you recognize, I am not serving him. I'm serving myself. I'm turning away from my sins. Today, I'm surrendering my life to him. I want to know him, and I want to serve him. I want to be his servant. Today, by faith, I give my life to Jesus. If that's your prayer, would you lift up your hands high right now and just say, yes, that's my prayer up here, and, and all three of you right here together, four of you, wow, a whole family here together, right back over here in this section, right back over here. God bless you guys. Others of you, let me just find you. I want to see you right up here close to me, right back here in this section, way back here in the back. Praise God for you. Right over here, sweetheart, big smile. Way back over here, praise God for all of you. Church online, you click right below me. Others today say, yes, that's my prayer. I need his grace. I need his salvation. Today I surrender my life completely to him. Would all of you pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, today I trust you to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I submit my life completely to you. I want to be your servant. I want you to be my Lord. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Church, you better get loud. You better worship big. You better thank God because we're in the middle of something very special. Welcome those today born into God's family.